0: I'm Nancy, if I haven't met you guys. I'm the senior pastor here at Searchlight. And I'm excited about this topic of love and sex. Who likes love and sex? Woo! <laughs> you know God's a fan of love and sex? You usually don't think of that, do you? Well, maybe the love part. You know, people get the, the love and God is love and that kind of thing. But God is a fan of love and of sex. woo <laughs> Woo-hoo! <laughs> So um, so it's good. If, you, if you're a fan, then you're right, uh, right in alignment with God on that because he made both of those things. And so, so I'm excited about this topic. Um, but you've probably also seen that sometimes it can cause heartbreak. As much as it's something that <clears throat> people, I mean, we love love and sex, and it's really special, and people long to have amazing, fulfilling, romantic relationships it's, it's just like, it's, it's a fairy tale, right, in some ways? Like, it's what everybody longs for and desires is to have the love of your life and to spend your life with somebody living happily ever after. But it can go wrong in so many ways, can it? You, you've seen it cause some hurt and destruction. Um... And so in this series, we're going to be taking a look at that's not God's plan, that it's actually possible to have a really successful love life, whether you're married or single. Each one of these teachings, we're going to be addressing things, whether you're married or single. And today, we're going to talk about falling in love. Because when you think of love and sex, isn't that one of the things that's super exciting is falling in love? You ever, anybody been in love? Feels good, right? <laughs> it feels really good. And it's God's intention that we stay, like if you get married, that that would be something that lasts. A lot of times, have you heard the teaching that you can't help who you fall in love with? You know, that that's just, or or have you ever thought that falling in love was kind of like a total accident? That you have no idea what happened, it just came over you? Or I used to think that. I used to actually believe that that's the way that it worked. It just you know, you, you didn't see it coming. All of a sudden, you just fell in love with somebody. But here's the problem with that, and this is why it kind of <clears throat> causes some heartache, is what if you're married and you fall out of love? What happens with that? You know, that a lot of people have had that experience and felt powerless and didn't know what to do. Or what if you're married and you fall in love with someone else while you're married? That can cause some heartache, and many of us have either experienced that or have seen other people experience it. Or, if you're single, have you ever fallen in love with somebody that's like a maniac, a crazy person? That happens, right? And you're like, really, like psycho, and I'm in love, and you didn't find out till later. Why is that? So so I want to take a look because at falling in love on purpose— and this was kind of a big deal to me. One of, the, one of the things that really perplexed me is when I was a younger person, you know, I was raised, well, let me give you a little bit of history about why I'm even passionate about this topic. <clears throat> um, I was raised um, in a home where my mom was married three times. And so I didn't exactly have a good model for what having an awesome romantic relationship looked like, and she married three crazy people. And... Um, So when I was single, I always vowed, I thought, I am so going to not follow in her footsteps. I'm going to do it differently. And I thought somehow all I have to do is just not do what she did, and I'd be good. You know, I'd see things that I thought, oh, that's she's being ridiculous. She's staying with people that are crazy. Why is she doing that? But guess what? As much as I swore I wasn't going to follow in her footsteps and make those mistakes, I did exactly the same thing because I had no idea. There were so many things I didn't understand on this topic, and so... Um, it took me many years, as far as healing on this journey. Um, I was married uh, before my husband Adam and got divorced, and that was definitely not a great experience. And I didn't, I didn't do it well, and um, and so I've learned a lot. Where today I actually have an awesome relationship with a really sexy, fabulous man, and uh, and so I've had a passion to share this with. Uh, with with everybody that I can. Um, but one of the things in my earlier days that was confusing was this in-love topic, so much so that uh, one of the people that I fell in love with, the big, hard, strong at the beginning, was a married pastor. So, and for many years, I thought this was the love of my life. And I just, he was meant everything to me. And he had told me that, when he married his wife, that he never was in love with her, he said, and so, but he's a pastor, so he can't do anything about it, blah, 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 and I really thought that that was, like, you can't fix that. I really, I I mean, I listened to it, and I was like, wow, because I believed, I had heard that you could work on marriage, and make your marriages turn around, and even if you have a really hard time in a marriage, you can if people are willing to work at it together that you can turn things around Well, when he told me that he was never in love with his wife um, and that was sort of the open door where I started falling in love with him but um, uh, I thought wow that really is something you can't do anything about and I think so that's why I really kinda wanna talk through how falling in love works because if you're married guess what you want to fall in love with your spouse (laughs) Wouldn't that be fun if you're married? Wouldn't that be so much more fun to be in love with the person you're married to and stay that way? God wants that for you. He actually, you know, sometimes people say, well, it's not important. God made the feelings of romance that make your heart go flutter flutter and feel amazing and exciting to be with the person that you're with, that you just want to stare into their eyes and just be like, oh, you are just the cutest thing ever. God wants that for every single person, and that's doable. But part of it is understand. We're going to actually talk about the fact because God is the author of love. He knows something about love. He, he had, and he made sex too. Our bodies, everything, all of that. Let's actually look at First um, John chapter four. I love this one because usually God is not the person people consult when it comes to their love life, right? um but i think god's got some amazing answers that can help everyone in this category in first john 4 in verse 8 it says he who does not love does not know god for god is love god even describes himself of who god is the being of god when you, God is love. Every part of God is love. And he's about love. So he created love. So it would be a great place to look as far as God goes. And if, you know, I was raised atheist. And what's really cool is if you don't believe in God, one of the things that actually can help you grow to believe God is, is that the things in the Bible make sense when you live them out and they work in your life. And it's okay. You don't have to believe in God. You could just go, okay, well, I'm not sure about God, but I can try some of these things out because what I'm doing is not working. And that's kind of where I was for a while too is I just got where what I'm doing is not working, so let's just try something else. You know, got to the end of my rope and my answers. Um, Let's go to Genesis 1 in verse 31. Uh, We're going to look at a couple verses in Genesis because like I say, God made people. And it says, I, I think about this when it says, Then God saw everything that he made, and indeed, it was very good. And guess what? That's people, and they were naked. And he said that they were very good. So every part of you and every part of your body goes, God goes, it's very good. God made your sexuality. He said, that's very good. Um, it says, so the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And then I want to skip down to Genesis 2 and verse 25. It says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. You know, God is not the author of shame in this category. A lot of people try and make that split God off and like he's anti-sex. I'm sorry. God is not. He made it. But part of this is understanding relationship and where the hurt comes in is separating sex from relationship. So we're we're not going to focus on sex today, though. You have to stick, stick around for some of the other weeks for that. Um... But in love, we want to focus on this romantic love. You know, there's, um, there's five different kinds of love in a marriage that you need to cultivate to keep your marriage close and connected. Um, and we're going to focus on the romantic one, but some of the other ones are, and there's different words for love in the Bible. They, the, the one that we usually think of is agape, which is an unconditional love that you love someone because God loves them whatever they do that it's got no condition. You just are committed to that person because God loves them. That's the love of God. And because God loved first, us first. There's also the sense of belonging. It's sort of a family love that I belong like as a part of a family. That's an important uh, thing to do. There's also phileo love, which uh, is a Greek word for friendship and brotherly love. You know, The, the uh, city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, we get that. So we should be friends with our spouse. Um, And then there's eros, there's sexual love, which is important. And then there's romantic love. So I want to focus in on the romantic love. Let's go to um, Proverbs 23. And in verse 7, it says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So this is a big premise is your heart. What do you think about when you think of your heart? There's a couple things. One, you think of emotion. Anybody think of emotion when you think of heart? You know, what we feel. So the Bible says, as you think, that impacts your heart. Your thoughts affect your emotion. Emotions, a lot of times what people do with feelings is they try to control them or shove them down, and it doesn't work. Telling yourself, just stop it. Stop being sad. Stop it. It doesn't work. Feelings, there's nothing bad about feelings. God made feelings. They're good things. God even describes himself as having emotion, even though he's spirit, which is kind of interesting. You know, just to, he's a spiritual being, and here he describes himself that he's got emotions and feelings. Emotions are good. They make life feel rich and full, don't they, and alive to feel, to care, to be connected. Um, but feelings we don't control. Feelings are actually just a reaction to thoughts, To other things. So you can't, uh, what happens is a lot of times what people do is try and shove down or ignore feelings. Instead, feelings should be kind of like an alarm that tells us something's going on inside. We want to not shame ourselves about feelings, but just be, notice our feelings and be curious about how you feel. You know, if you feel sad, why? If you're feeling fearful, why? You know, what's that signaling? And so what this verse says, it's as you think, that connects to your heart. The Bible also talks about the heart as being the core of our being, what we believe to be true. And that's kind of a big deal too, right, as far as our heart goes. So it it represents feelings, but it also represents what we make up as far as our values and the things that we believe and how we see life. So we want to take a look at what we're thinking about. Um, Let's go to uh, actually another one. In Second uh, Corinthians ten, in verse four, it says, "For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God." Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So I want to kind of go over this because what this is talking about, like, it's interesting. Strongholds, you think about being kind of entrenched, right? Stronghold is kind of a military term for like um, having a position that that you're that you're defending that's strong right that's how they think of the word stronghold strongholds kind of happen in our minds where we get entrenched and we're not going to budge where we kind of dig ourselves in and a lot of times they can represent walls and things that don't let walls are not good in life walls are not boundaries we're going to talk about boundaries in one of our series um, in this series as well but walls, when you have walls or strongholds in your brain, it means you can't let anything in, and you can't, you can't let good stuff in, and you can't let bad stuff out. So walls are always something that we want to pull down in our mind when we get entrenched in any kind of thinking. I'm a believer that we should stay open-minded. We should live a lifestyle that way, you know? And not, I'm not, um, where we're always open, where we're always seeking, that we wanna be truth seekers, not dogmatic about life, that we always want to be re-examining, do we understand, is there more we need to understand, whether it's in relationships, whether it's about the Bible, whether it's about what, whether you believe in God or not, anything, that we shouldn't have fears about examining things, because I believe God, if you move closer to truth, you're going to move closer to God, so we shouldn't be afraid of examining or questioning things. So part of this is saying, if you've got strongholds, strongholds are where you're not going to be open in your thinking about things. It says that, um, that what we want to do is, in our thoughts, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You can't stop thoughts from coming into your mind. Ever had a really wacky thought pop in? Just me? Okay. You know, but we get to, so we can't stop that. You've had those experiences doing wacky things. Oh, I wonder if this will be dangerous. You know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes I think about putting my hand in the, um. okay, you're going to really think I'm crazy, in the uh, garbage disposal, right? And you just, I'm not going to do this. You know Hey, do you know what I'm saying? Just like these crazy things. I'm like, oh, well, I won't do that, of course. But you just go, I wonder what it would be like to my, hand. <laughs> you know? Right? Crazy thoughts. Okay, I'm the only one that thought about what would happen if your hand got, okay. (laughs) So you can't stop them, but what we can do is we can decide if they're going to stay there or not. You can only think one thought at a time. So if you have thoughts, you know, and, and they're not good, they're destructive, they're hurtful, then you can change and decide to, th- to feed your brain something else. Now, a lot of times what people think is, well, just think positive. There's this whole, po- I was also raised um, as a part of the positive thinking group when I was younger, and that doesn't work either because we need to also be aware of negative realities. Life can be really hazardous if we're not taking in negative things, if we're just sort of pretending it's all good, something's bad, you know, somebody's beating the crap out of you in your relationship and you're like, but I'm going to look at the positive. That's not what we're, not really helpful, right? Let me focus on the positive here. So, but in a relationship, we want to, a lot of times we get skewed in how we're viewing things. A lot of times when you're married, all of a sudden, you may have noticed, it's a temptation to start elevating all the bad things about your spouse. Any married people understand what that, you know what I'm saying? If you're married, you know what I'm talking about, where it's just a temptation (laughs) where you sit there and all of a sudden, all of your thoughts are focused on what's wrong with this person. You know what that does is it builds contempt, and contempt, it says, um, psychologists say, will kill your marriage. If you have enough of building up the contempt for a person, which comes from feeding your brain over and over again with what's wrong with them, it's not reality, guys. Every person is a mixed bag of of bad and good. There's not all bad people and all good people. So part of this is in our brain, it's not just thinking positive, but we want to take a look that we're embracing reality. And typically, if you're married, you want to focus a little bit more towards the positive as far as feeding your brain goes. And you can change that if you find yourself feeding on things, especially the Bible says yielding on insignificant matters. You know, somebody is messy. Or do you know what I'm saying? Like some of those things. You can fester on that, oh my gosh, they're such a mess. What's wrong with them? And you turn it into a moral issue. It's morally wrong <laughs> that they leave their socks all over, that they don't wash out after themselves. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, And you can just build that up, that this is a bad, evil person after a while. And the walls, and that's where the strongholds come in. You build strongholds, and people do this until they get divorced. That's why you hear people growing apart. If you're not proactive, you will grow apart in a relationship. There's just not, you know, you have to be deliberate about this. If you're a single person, what happens is people fall in love way too soon. You don't even know that person. If you've ever gotten really hurt while somebody turned into being this horrible, untrustworthy person, you got in a relationship, got really close, And my goodness, they turned into, like, who is this person? I didn't even know who they were. It comes from feeding your brain too positively, and you don't even know them yet. You're like, oh, my gosh, he's so cute. And, oh, I like the way he smells, and he's an artist. And he's so smart and so funny. Or, you know, she's got a rocking body, man. Uh, You know, just sort of like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, you fixate, you know. Gosh, everybody's going to think I'm so cool because I got the hot girl. Like, Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if you fixate on that and elevate somebody's positive qualities and you don't know, then you also want to come again. That's not reality. So, anyway. So, actually, I want to go to this other scripture that kind of talks about this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I want one more thing. Because part of the thing when you're single, actually, let's go to 1 John 4 and verse 18. There's a difference between being in love and infatuation. Infatuation is exactly what we're talking about, where you're feeding on what you wish somebody was, not who you know them to be. When you're overly focusing, it's just like you're reading it, you meet somebody, and you're just wanting to elevate, elevate, elevate all all their good qualities. If you don't, everybody's got bad qualities, you should know that before you fall and give your heart. But infatuation, this is a verse that I think actually relates a lot to the concept of infatuation. In 1 John 4 and verse 18, it says, there's no fear in love. Good, healthy love doesn't have fear. Infatuation, there's a lot of fear. A lot of times that's when you're hanging on for dear life to somebody, you don't even know who they are because you're afraid of of being alone. Because there's a hole in your heart. If you're single, dating when you're lonely or out of need or desperation is going to be a setup for heartbreak. Part of this is making sure that you have really good, healthy, fulfilling relationships in your life first before you even start dating somebody. People that you can trust, that are platonic, you know, that that are especially trustworthy people. You know, people that will have your heart, that you can be close to, and get your needs met in your friendships and then before you get into a romantic relationship. And you see, there's no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear <laughs> involves torment, doesn't it? <laughs> but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. And I think that that's a lot of the falseness of infatuation. It's just like where there's so much emotion. And honestly, I remember as a single person when I was in I'm in love with a married pastor. Really? That's love? I'm sorry it's not. It's a bunch of crap. was horrible he's a lying jerk quite frankly he lied to everybody and I'm you know I was a young person but geez like why am I thinking that this is going to be a good person for me who would lie and carry on this affair for years behind his wife's back it's this is not a person to open your heart to you know but it was the fear driving it in me it's infatuation it's not real there's nothing real about that it's not real love. And yet, what's really weird is that experience is way more intense. A lot of times, those fear-driven emotions are way more intense than just healthy love. You know? It's, just, it's, it's scarier, but a lot of times the up, it's almost like a, a drug or an addiction, do you know? Like, where the high is so high, but it's crazy, and it doesn't make any sense. It's not real love. It might feel awesome in the moment, but it also feels terrifying. You know, the fear of losing somebody. Anyway, let's look at, um, this is a really good one, in Proverbs 4, in verse 23. It says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. And that keep um, is also the word for guard. I I like thinking about it. Keep is like take care of it, you know, keep it, keep it, you know, look after your heart. And so, but I kind of like the guard. It helps that, that, um, me to kind of get a mental picture, you know, of what, like, I, I like to think of, here's your, you know, here's your heart. And we talked about your heart being the emotional part as well as the core of what you believe and how you see life. To stand guard, to be deliberate. If you're going to be deliberate about taking care of your heart, one of the things is being deliberate about, for one, notice when you have feelings. Has anybody ever ignored their feelings? You know, it's not helpful, is it? No, let's just pretend that's not there. You know, so, but notice your feelings, and instead of shaming yourself, go, what, think about what you've been thinking about. Remember, thoughts feed emotion. So if you're feeling something, look back. What have you been thinking about over the last three hours? What have you been thinking about over the last day? What have you been thinking about a lot over the last week? If you're sad or you're depressed, just think about it. What is it? Are you worrying about something? What is it that's feeding that emotion? What are the thoughts? And then take a look at what you're thinking about. Is it reality or not reality? If it's in a romantic relationship... Am I overly elevating the negative if I'm married? Am I just fixating on he doesn't take out the trash and, you know, blah, 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 or whatever? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, am I focused on that all the time? Is that why I'm feeling this way, feeling distant, wanting to push away? You know, and then I, I do that with, you know, because with my husband, where what I want to do to guard my heart, because I don't want to grow apart, I don't, you know, is to just go, You look at things like, on purpose, you look at things like character. You know, I married my husband who's trustworthy. He's a man who loves God. He values growing. That's, like, amazing. You know, he he wants to work on things in our relationship. You can also focus, too, if you're married, on, like, things that you like. Things you first fell in love with. Things that you like. Like, you can... See, I love to think about my husband's lips a lot because they're just super sexy to me. I just So a lot of times I think about that. I tell people, I'm like, oh, my gosh. In the middle of the day, I'll just be, his lips are just yum, yum, yum. You know, it's just yum. You know. I like his New York accent. He's from New York, and he's got a really sexy voice. And we kind of started, our, you know, our relationship talking on the phone because it was long distance. So I just go, oh, his voice is so sexy and that New York accent just – so sexy. You know, where I, on purpose, think about being grateful and thankful for those things, because those are part of what fuel, part of what fuels the romantic thing is feeding yourself those things that, that attract you. There's a situation, I read this amazing book that, uh, that it's one of my, my favorite book on marriage called Love Life for Every Married Couple by Dr. Ed Wheat, and it he talks about this couple where they got to the place in their marriage that they could not think of anything good about the other person. It's pretty extreme. He was like, think of something good. They were like, I got nothing, not one thing. You know what he said? He goes, well, you think about what somebody else would say about them that's good. If you can't come up with anything, what would someone else say about this person that's good? What were the things you liked about them to begin with that's good? And you focus. It's it's a choice to focus on those things. If you're single, guess what? You want to do just the opposite. <laughs> you just met somebody. Instead of just constantly going, oh, his hands and his voice and, oh, the way he smells. And, you know, instead of like going on and on and on, oh, I bet you he'd make a great husband and I could just see our lives together and My whole life would be, you know, instead of like playing it forward and thinking about how this is going to be all magical and wonderful, I did this actually when I met Adam. I just, he was pretty fabulous, but I just was like, but I was kind of like, I don't know him. He could be crazy. I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you just met somebody, I don't care if they're awesome, you just don't know yet. You need time to know. So you want to kind of go in the opposite direction of making sure, okay, I don't know something bad. Well, I need to find that out. I need to find out what their struggles or challenges are before I get my heart invested. That's what's standing guard. Like, you want to be like a little censure, you know, like with, I, I just think of a guy, like, standing on guard. You know, who goes there? Like, do you let somebody in? Keep them out, you know? Like, you want to take care of your heart that way, of what you're feeding, and the way you care for it is watch your thoughts. Be careful of what you focus on. There was a time... But I just didn't, I, I told you that my romantic life was really screwed up um, in the earlier days and I, I, I feel awful about this, um, but I used to um, cheat on my ex-husband all the time. And that happened because I was unhappy in things in the relationship, and so what did I do to fix it? I was feeling empty, he didn't feel like, I was like, oh, he doesn't pay enough attention to me. So somebody else was paying attention, all of a sudden I was elevating those quote, qual- oh, they pay attention. See, I'm appreciated over here. And I fed and fed and fed that. Well, I don't want to even feed that a little bit these days, you know. And so that's what standing guard at your heart looks like for that. Some other things that you can feed romance or like kind of dial it back um, because we're talking about the in love stuff. The atmosphere, like being in front of a fireplace, you know. These are things if you could purposefully do this. If you've been married for a while and haven't sat in front of a fireplace, take a walk on the beach. There's romantic places that you can spend time. If you want to feed the romance, you want to do that on purpose. If you want to not escalate things because you don't know somebody, you don't probably want to do that, you know? So places that are romantic can feed those romantic feelings. Also, another thing, I'm going to give you a few that you can choose to feed or not feed as far as guarding your heart goes. Another one is Shared emotional experience, it could be positive or negative. Something deep and emotional could be a loss going through something together, happy or sad. could also make romantic feelings happen. Another thing is touching. Touching brings you closer. That's why if you're single, having sex right away, is going to mess with it. You know, that connection is really going to escalate things beyond what that relationship is really warranting. So if you're married, you want lots of touching. (laughs) You want to be in the habit. If you're not in the habit, you need to build a habit of touching. We're going to talk about that, too, later. (laughs) Eye contact. No. Eye contact is a big one for romance. If you want to feed the romantic thing, practice looking at your spouse into their eyes and... Thinking, oh, see, my husband's got sweet little, I think he's got a little puppy dog eyes. So it's just like, just like I love to look at his face. You know, so looking into each other's eyes feeds the romance. Do you know? Again, just being deliberate. That's, do you see what I'm saying? Is this making sense about standing guard on your heart? About what you can do? Where it's not an accident because we don't want to just be falling in love with crazy people or falling out of love with the person that we're married and have not just be one big old accident kind of thing. So, anyway, this is just the beginning. I've got some really juicy things. You know what um, we're going to do next week? I'm going to teach <laughs> two parter on how to get whatever you want in a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I promise it works. Not everything exactly, but, you know, I, I promise it's going it, to, it really ratchets up with <laughs> the fruit on this. But anyway, so in this whole topic, I'm love and sex are awesome. God made them. And when they're good, love and sex can both be amazing. When they're bad, it can be horrible, heartbreaking, painful. But God knows a lot about love. God made love. God made sex. God, so God's got answers on this. And so it's possible to have incredible healing. We want to stand guard at our heart and take care of our hearts so that they're not broken by being aware. What are you feeding? What are you thinking about? Notice your emotions and not shame yourself for your emotions, but just notice them and say, wow, is what I'm feeding my brain right now based on reality, or am I feasting on things that are fantasy? Whether it's if you're married, you're focusing all the time on everything bad, You want to come against that if you're single and you're focusing all the stuff that's good and you don't know somebody, you want to stand guard. Okay, let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your goodness uh, and your love. Uh, I feel very thankful for um, just all that you've done in my life. I I, I know I'm undeserving of it, but I love that you're a God that doesn't look at that, that you're full of grace don't count our past mistakes against us, but you're always willing to be there for us, and that any person can turn things around in this category, that you're always welcome with open arms, no matter what we've done in our past, no matter what's happened, God, that you don't look at us with shame, but with a heart of love and and mercy and forgiveness, and God, that you want to help us heal and grow in this area to have the best love life possible. Thank you, God. Amen.